Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Always great to be with you again. And I started off a couple of sessions ago talking to you about all the beautiful ness words that belong to marriage and family. And we're actually talking about one of them at the moment, which is restfulness. And uh, But anyway, let me give you just a few others uh, today. Peacefulness, pleasantness. Positiveness, prayerfulness, pureness, respectfulness, restfulness, which we're going to talk more about today, righteousness, sacredness, selflessness, sensibleness, sereneness, steadfastness, softness, soberness, songfulness, submissiveness, sweetness, teachableness, tenderness, tenderheartedness, thankfulness, thoughtfulness, togetherness, trustworthiness, truthfulness. And I'll leave some more for next time. But all these beautiful words relate to us in the home and in the family. And I hope to talk to you about some of them. We have too many to talk about each one. But currently, we are on our third session of how to make a restful home, a home of rest for God, because he wants to dwell in our homes and he wants a place of rest where he can dwell. David had a vision to make a home of rest for God. So we are up to point number five. Eradicate all tension. Now, of course, you know you're not going to have any rest in your home while you've got turmoil in your home. Last session, we talked about how sometimes we have to have a battle before we can have rest because we can't have rest until we've conquered the enemy and also until we've eradicated all tension and strife and turmoil and uh, all moods too. They, oh goodness me, moods are a terrible thing. They, they, they don't bring rest into the home. They bring such a, a horrid atmosphere. And many times children grow up being allowed to have moods and then they take them into the marriage. And so if perhaps that's been a habit in your life and maybe, or I hope not, but maybe if you are still doing that in your marriage, that's something you have to work on. Because if we get into a mood because our husband has said something that we didn't like and we feel hurt and so we get into the silent treatment and, and we just give him the cold shoulder, and that's not what we're meant to do. That doesn't bring restoration. That doesn't bring rest. We've got to sit down and gently talk about it. 
And so we seek to eradicate these things that just upset the atmosphere of our home. Number six, walk in faith, not unbelief. So we go over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 talk about rest. They're all on the subject of rest. So let's read. Um, we'll start at verse 12 of chapter 3. But exhort, no, here we go. Number 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Wow, that's pretty strong words, isn't it? An evil heart of unbelief. Sometimes we're so used to being unbelieving and, you know, that we, we don't even think that's very much wrong with it. We think, oh, well, you know, I just, I'm not, don't have much faith. But the Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. When we don't believe the words that God has written, that he has given to us, his eternal words that can never lie, if we don't believe them, God says we have an evil heart of unbelief. And we go down to verse 18 and it says, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but those that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in, that's into rest, because of unbelief. Unbelief stops us living in rest. So this is something we often have to work on too. Um, let's have a look at some more scriptures. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Both these chapters are all about rest. Verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In other words, when we read the word of God, but we don't believe it, if we don't mix it with faith to act upon it and live, live those words, well, we might as well not have read it because it doesn't do anything for us. We've got to mix the word of God with faith when we're reading it. And we go down to verse 3, the next verse. For we which have believed to enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my anger, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, verse 6. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. All right. Uh, the Passion Translation, uh, it says of chapter 3, 12, 13, So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil 
or unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so, let's watch unbelief, dear ladies. Sometimes I have mothers uh, saying to me that they're so concerned about having another baby because they don't know how they could provide for another child. It seems to me that often it is husbands that are more lacking in unbelief than wives regarding this subject. And often they just don't want to have any more children because they don't believe that they can provide for those children. But when we don't believe, what does the Bible say? We have an evil heart of unbelief. Because when we get to the bottom line, what are we really doing? We're saying, God, I don't believe you. Goodness me. I mean, I don't think I can provide and really I'm God in my home. Because if we think we're the ones who are going to provide, we're making ourselves as God. But when we trust God and his words, even when we cannot see it happening in the physical, we trust him, we will find that God is faithful to his word. In Psalm 78, it says, verse 19 and on to verse 22, Yea, they spoke against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, and the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. But can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this, and was wroth. He was angry. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel. Why? Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. When we say, can God? Can God really do this? Can God provide for another baby? Why do most Christians stop at two or three children? Mostly because they think they cannot provide for them. Or maybe when they get older, they wouldn't be able to provide a college education for them. Of course, my, sometimes we wonder whether they that would even be a good idea with the state of our colleges today. They have become breeding grounds for socialism. Unless we can send our children to a very conservative college, they're going to be brainwashed in, in this socialism and Marxism. We're seeing the fruits of that happening in our nation right at this time. But getting back to believing God, what does God say? Let's go back, shall we, to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, chapter 7. Okay. 
I love these verses. Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers, and he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. Interesting, isn't it? God is saying here he's sharing his heart, how he feels for his people. He says, I'll show mercy to you. That is the Hebrew word racham, a beautiful word that that is a word that is also used for the womb. It's meaning compassion and mercy and pity. I'll show mercy and compassion to you and I'll love you and I'll bless you. And how is he going to show us his love and his blessing? He says, by multiplying you. And I will multiply you and I will bless the fruit of your room. And so that is how God wants to bless us. I mean, here's the word of God. That's literally what it says. How does he want to bless? By blessing our womb. Sometimes mothers may think, help. I don't know whether that's a blessing. I don't know how I could provide for this child that's being formed in my womb. But you haven't read the end of the scripture yet. Because God goes on to say, he starts off, first blessing, always the first blessing is the fruit of the womb. I will bless the fruit of your womb and, listen what comes next, and the fruit of your land and your corn and your wine and your oil and the increase of your cattle and your flocks of your sheep in the land which he gives to you. Do you see the progression there? When God blesses with the fruit of the womb, he doesn't stop. No. He then says, and I'm going to bless your land and your sheep and your cattle and your fruit and, and everything. Why? To provide for the fruit of the womb. The whole reason for the blessings of wine and the fruit of the land and the cattle and the sheep to feed us is all to feed the fruit of the womb. Let's go over to Deuteronomy 28. This is the blessing chapter, which I love to read, but it's also the cursing chapter. I don't like reading that part so much. In fact, there are more verses about cursing if we are disobedient to God's ways, then there are blessings if we follow God's ways. But anyway, it starts with the blessings. Let's read verse 3. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the country. I love that. God will bless you wherever you are placed. Some people think, oh, if only I could get out to the country. Oh, it would be so much easier to raise my family there. Oh, it would be so much easier to just, you know, have children out there in the country. But I'm stuck in the city, right in the heart of the city. How do you help me to, how do you expect me to do that here? Well, God says, 
that he will bless you in the city and in the country. If God has placed you in the city because that's where your husband's work is, he will bless you there. Now, I know it is a blessing to raise children in the country. Uh, currently, many of our grandchildren live out here on the hilltop in the country, and uh, they have had a beautiful life as the cousins. Not all of them, because we have, I have, we have grandchildren who live in the city too. But many of them out here in the country, uh, they have had a beautiful, blessed life. But I didn't raise my children in the country. We raised them in the city. In fact, when my children were teenagers, we were living on the Gold Coast of Australia, right in surface paradise, right in the heart of just nightclubs. And it was just a holiday place where everybody came to party. Uh, our house was right underneath the big Jupiter's Casino. The church that we planted, it was opposite the casino. And so our children, they lived looking out on a casino and in the heart of Sin City. How do you raise teenagers for God in that kind of place? Well, God is true to his word. You see, if that is where God has you, he will bless you. And he kept our children. He blessed them even in that environment. Of course, my, I was, I had to pray every day. I walked the beach. We're not far from the beach. I'd go down and walk the sand with the Pacific breakers rolling in. And I would be crying out to God, crying out to him to keep my children uh, from the evil in this place. And he was faithful to do that. But we're talking about how God blesses not only the fruit of the womb, but he blesses everything else to provide for the fruit of the womb. Oh, that's right. Haven't read you the rest yet, have I? Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of thy womb. Here it is again, but it carries on. And the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep blessed shall be thy basket and thy store that means all the provision that you need you'll be blessed with it blessed shalt thou be when thou, thou comest in and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out now all these blessings come after the blessing of the fruit of the womb. Now you may think, well, I don't know. The way we're living, I, I just don't know how it could we could manage. But dear ladies, God doesn't give you these blessings before the fruit of the womb. They come after the fruit of the womb. So when God blesses you with conception, then he will provide for that precious child. God is faithful. Let's go over to um, Deuteronomy 30, verse 9. Let's see. 
and the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thine womb. Notice how God always mentions the fruit of the womb first and now again, the third time we're reading it, and in the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land, for good, for the Lord will rejoice over thee for good. And so you get the pattern. That's what happens. Okay. Oh, I could just give you so many scriptures. In fact, you may like to go to my web page and go to articles and stories and go to Can God Provide? And there is an article there called Is God Able to Provide for Another Baby? And it gives you so many scriptures. If you're feeling full of doubt and unbelief, go to that article, print it off, and read the scriptures. Because it is the word that will encourage you. It, it is as the word gets into our hearts, it fills us with faith. You see, faith doesn't come out of thin air. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as the word of God fills our souls, it generates faith to walk in that word. You can't do it if you don't have the word in you. So I'd encourage you to go and read those wonderful scriptures. Let me just give you one or two more in the meantime. Deuteronomy 2.7 For the Lord thy God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Nehemiah 9, 20 to 21, it says, You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. They lacked nothing. And yet, ladies, the children of Israel going through that howling wilderness didn't live in homes like us today. They just lived in temporary tents. They didn't have all the mod cons that we have. They lived in the heat of the desert. And they didn't have refrigerators. And they didn't have freezers. They didn't have washing machines or dishwashers or vacuum cleaners. And they didn't have the nearest shop they could run down to if they ran out of milk or bread. They just had to trust God each day. The same diet, manna every day for 40 years. And yet God said they lacked nothing. We think that we have to have this and that and Everything, we have such a high standard today. But we don't have to have everything uh, to have what we need. 
In fact, we don't even have to have a huge house. It's amazing how even a big family can fit into a small home. Well, I do love big homes because my husband and I are lovers of hospitality and we love to have people. And uh, God has been so good and, and we have Sometimes we've lived in little homes, but um, often we've been able to live in large homes. But you don't have to have a large home. In fact, you don't have to have a, a bedroom for all your children. How can we have more children? We haven't even got enough bedrooms. Well, let me tell you, children don't want to sleep alone. They hate it. They love to be together. They love to just all sleep in the same room together. You can have a, one bedroom for girls and one bedroom for boys, and that's all you need. They love to be together. I remember um, when our children were growing, uh, we were moving into our first home that we um, had built, and uh, we were so excited because, you know, we had a few more bedrooms not that they all had a bedroom each but the girls had one and the boys had one and we were you know putting them down to sleep and this often happened and put the children to bed and then we'd go back later as my husband and I were going off to bed and goodness me what's happened to the bedrooms there's all these empty beds and we find they're all in the one bed together or they've made a sort of a, a bed away up in a cupboard or something or Goodness me, the boys have gone outside to sleep out in some little tent shack they've made. That was far more exciting. Oh, you know, children are quite happy to just sleep together. In fact, some of my grandchildren, um, the, the Johnson children, as they grew up, those boys, I don't think they've hardly slept on a bed in their whole lives. They just slept on the floor, on their sleeping bags. And... Uh, you know, we just sometimes think we have to provide too much to have everything uh, perfect when really all our children want is togetherness and unity and love. Yes, okay. I love Psalm 37, 25, 26. I have been young and now am at am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. Amen. Are you saying amen with me? Yes. Okay. Maybe I will leave it there. There's so many scriptures in the word of God uh, about how he will provide for us. Look up that article and read them over. All right. And let's be those who walk in faith and mix faith when we're reading the word of God. Number seven, do not harden your heart to God or your husband. This is one of the things that comes up when we are reading about rest in Hebrews chapter three and four. So, Let's have a look here. We'll read chapter 3, verses 7 to 15. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As in the provocation, or that just means 
in the time of rebellion, when the children of Israel rebelled against the Lord. When they went, the spies went into the promised land to check it out, and they they came back with amazing reports of how incredible this land was. They brought back bunches of grapes that it took two men to carry. But ten of the spies, they brought back an evil report, the Bible says, an evil report. It was a report of doubt. Oh, it's beautiful, but there's giants there. I don't think that we can we can go in. We're too little. We're just like grasshoppers, and they're giants. And they put fear into the people. And so they were afraid to go in. It's a bit like what we're facing now, not quite the same, but we are in a time of so many people facing fear in our nation, fear of this COVID-19. I'm amazed. I, I, I am truly amazed at how so many believers are filled with fear. Many of them are st- still too fearful to go back to their churches. And yet, we are, we are not seeing thousands of people dying from this. It is flattened out. And, and even though now there's many people testing positive, but they're not dying and uh, unless they're a person who maybe has other um, problems um, and that can be worse for them then, other underlying medical problems. But if that is not the case, they're not, they're not having anything much more than the flu. And why are believers filled with fear? Oh, yes, it was true. There were giants in the land. They weren't, they weren't telling lies. No, it was true. There were giants. And when they eventually went into the promised land, they had to face those giants. And they conquered those giants. It doesn't mean to say that facts are not true. But why are we filled with fear? We as the people of God are not meant to be filled with fear. We trust in our God. And therefore, we're not victims of fear and becoming filled with unbelief. So here we are. They were um, filled with unbelief. And uh, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works for 40 years, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. That generation did not enter into the rest, into the promised land that God had promised them. They all died in the wilderness because of unbelief and hardness of heart. And uh, so then it goes down. Let me see. We'll go down to verse 15. And it says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We go over to chapter 4, verse 7. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your 
hearts. Three times God repeats those words. Today, that happened way back, back, back there in the where was it? We read about that um, way back in um, Exodus, yes. But now it's today. But you see, every word of God applies to us today, right now, today. If there is any hardness in our hearts, any stubbornness, any unbelief, we better repent of it. Now, today, because God says today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. We mustn't harden our hearts to what God says in his word. We've got to be open to it, responsive to it, obedient to it. And then we also, we keep a soft heart to God. We keep a soft heart to our husband. The Bible tells us that the reason for divorce is hardness of heart. We go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Um, Yes, here we go. And verse 8. The... Pharisees had come to Jesus and uh, they had asked him about, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And uh, Jesus said in verse 4, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Therefore they are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder, or let not man separate. And then he goes over into verse 8, and he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And so it happens through hardness of heart. And of course, it is true that when we're married, God's intention is for us to be one, one together, one flesh, one soul, one spirit, one in unity. But we're not perfect. Life's not perfect. And that doesn't always happen. Strife comes into marriage and Sometimes things are said that hurt, and then bitterness comes in. Oh, precious wives, don't allow bitterness to ever get hold of your heart because it destroys you, and it will destroy your marriage, and ultimately it destroys your children because they are affected too. Bitterness and hurt Oh, they are such destroying attitudes. And that's why God says, today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You've got to get down on your knees and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Because 
sometimes our hearts of flesh, they just don't want to do it. I found that many times I've had to get down on my knees and say, oh, Holy Spirit, come, come into my life. Come and work in my heart. Work your spirit in my spirit that I will have a spirit of submissiveness, gentleness, softness toward you, toward my husband. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. We don't let them get hardened. We don't just carry on holding this in our hearts. What does it say in Ephesians 4.26? Let not the sun, well, it starts off, be angry and sin not. You might get angry, but let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You do not go to sleep tonight until you've got things right. That's the Bible way. That's the way that works. That's what keeps our hearts right. And so we've got to get the message. If we want to have rest in our homes today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And there will always be things that happen in life. And when they happen, on the day they happen, we allow God to work in our lives. And we... Let him just move in our hearts so we can get our hearts right with God, with our husband. Say sorry. Seek restoration. And then rest comes. Praise the Lord. That's what this is all talking about. Rest. Do we want rest or do we want strife? Are we going to continue to live in strife? Or are we going to do it God's way so we can have rest? Amen. Well, I love the Passion translation that says, They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. That's because of unbelief and hardness of heart. But if we yield those to God, we can live in the calming rest of God's Holy Spirit. In fact, this morning at our family devotions, we sang the beautiful old hymn, I am resting, resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. And I wish I could remember the rest of the words. But anyway, let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your precious word. What would we do without your word, Lord God? It keeps us in line. It shows us the way you want us to live. And I pray that you will, you will continue to work in our hearts, expose any hardness of heart, any unbelief, bitterness, hurt. Oh, God. Help us to keep our spirits pure before you because we want to live in rest. We want to enjoy the rest that you provide for us. And we want to make our homes a place of rest for you where you delight to rest. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 